G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Monday, we like to check in with the Australian Christian Lobby, finding out the latest what's on the political agenda for the coming week. Wendy Francis is Queensland State Director for the ACL and National Director of Politics at the Australian Christian Lobby. Wendy Francis, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's been a while since I've been on 2020, so I'm glad to be here. Well, no doubt we'll be expecting to talk to you uh, even perhaps a little more often, Wendy, because uh, uh, all sorts of things developing and even a federal election somewhere on the horizon, whether it's the end of this year or uh, into early to mid next year. Let's start with New South Wales because uh, protections for religious believers, they have been delayed. The state's Attorney General, Mark Speakman, He's announced the government won't do anything until there is something federally on the table. What are your thoughts here? So, I mean, we welcome uh, Mark Speakman's announcement that the government needs a religious discrimination bill. Of course, you know, we were really happy about that. But we are disappointed. Uh, And I think New South Wales people are disappointed because this has just been going on for a really long time. It's been three years since the Radical Review said that New South Wales needed the um, this to be included in the Anti-Discrimination Act. And now um, Mark Speakman has come out, yes, we need it, but no, we're not going to do it yet because we're waiting for the federal um, decision. And that, again, has been delayed. You know, So we, we had uh, Christian Porter was the AG and he, it was delayed, delayed. This was, this was actually promised previous, the last federal election. And you've just mentioned that we're just about to go into the next federal election. And so now the Attorney General, Michaelia Cash, it's in her hands, and that's being delayed. And so, yeah, we find it disappointing, but at the same time, grateful that they are recognising that there's a need. A really important issue here, because whatever happens federally with the protection of religious freedoms, the states still have their say, and every jurisdiction except for New South Wales and South Australia, they're already including religion under some existing protections. That's correct. And so, you know, we would definitely say there's no freedom without religious freedom. And we are seeing more and more people having to go to the Human Rights Law Alliance because they are being um, discriminated against because of their religion. And so with the federal bill, for instance, we're still, uh, and it's not just when I say we, I'm meaning all of the heads of churches. There's a there's a strong support right across the board for a an expression of um, religion to be not considered um, illegal, I guess, for an employee. So this is the big sticking point at the moment. At the moment, it's not in our the proposed uh, religious freedom uh, legislation that employees are allowed to talk freely about their religion outside of the workplace. Um, still, there is a danger for employers to be able to limit that speech. And we certainly would not, um, I mean, we wouldn't defend any speech that was vilifying or violent. But a Christian is not just a, you know, like a Christian is someone whose faith impacts every part of their life. 
So we've got to be able to be free to speak about our, our religious freedom, our religious beliefs. So an earlier draft had that protection in it and uh, that draft is back to the drawing board and there are doubts as to whether that protection is going to be in the upcoming uh, document that the Attorney-General will release. Hey, what about public support? Um, there was a parliamentary survey last September uh, what did that show about public support for the idea of uh, religious freedom? Overwhelming public support. So people people are not against um, any discrimination laws, including religious freedom. And, you know, as you say, the initial draft for the federal billing, it had Clause 8 and it included it, and now it's out and they're saying there's a little bit of it in 42, but it's all semantics, really, because it's been taken out at the moment. And this is really important. We need to be able to protect religious believers and organisations. And so this is why this is why we're a little bit disappointed with the New South Wales people. Um, Mark Spigman saying, "Yes, we want to do it. Yes, we believe it's important, but not yet. Um, we we really need to see it in writing." Wendy, in a nutshell, for listeners who are thinking about just how important this is and uh, wanting to capture it. Uh, just in a brief uh, moment of being able to describe this, this is the relationship between employers and their employees around what employees would be able to say about their faith. This is really, really foundation. This is fundamental as uh, what we'd call religious freedom. How do you describe that in a nutshell as to this relationship between employers and employees? Well, look, it has been called the Falau cause, and so everybody would know the case of, of Falau. But I think it's a, it's a shame in a way that we just go back to Falau because he's the sort of famous um, man. But it, there are everyday people um, being at the moment caught up with this. So we've got, for instance, there's a Christian doctor at the moment. His name's Jareth. He is, uh, has been suspended from, from practicing medicine for two years while he's waiting for his day in court. And it was really because he just posted something on his um, on his on his social media supporting uh, religious freedom, but also supporting like things like traditional marriage, that sort of thing. Nothing that nothing in any way um, that would be seen as being vilifying or violent. And he his employer took um, took offence at it, and he's been sitting on the sideline now for two years. There's there's dozens of people like this Christian doctor, dozens of people like Jareth. And so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about people being free to put up on their social media, um, I disagree with the euthanasia bill and this is why. Um, and and someone being able to take offence at that because they say that's your religious belief, you're not free to share that religious belief and your employment is actually being in danger because of that. No freedom without religious freedom. And I guess those who are opponents of religious freedom, I mean, if their own thoughts and their own lobbying gets through, it's a little bit like them shooting themselves in the foot because all freedoms come to an end if you block what people can believe. Let's talk about, uh, you mentioned the uh, euthanasia issues because this is so important especially for those who are in the state of Queensland right now as we speak, because tomorrow uh, the introduction of this voluntary assisted dying bill into the Queensland Parliament. You've been monitoring this along and there's been a march in Brisbane on Saturday. Uh, what's, uh, what's been going on with that, Wendy? 
We had a great march and rally on Saturday and that those marches are always organised by Cherish Life and Tish and Johnson and it was a really good time. The the major speakers, the main um, look characters at that march were actually medical doctors, nurses such as Kerry and Julie, but there were a lot of doctors that were leading the way and so that was really encouraging. There would have been over a thousand people. This is at a time when um, you know, gatherings outside or ga- big gatherings are, are a little bit hard to sort of organise because of COVID. And so it was a great turnout, very happy, um, but also very concerned because, as you say, this bill will be tabled tomorrow. Uh, the, the Labor government has the numbers and it's definitely a government bill. They are wanting to push this through. So many things are wrong with this bill, Neil. Um, and they're not even... It doesn't look like they will even consider any amendments. But we've got things like um, the this bill lets health practitioners actually initiate a discussion about euthanasia with a patient. That's that's just in my mind. That's just immoral. That a health protector because when you go to a doctor, you listen to what they say as or these are your options. Um, and for them to be able to say, look, you can actually kill yourself, I, I just find that so shocking. The, there's no real conscientious objection for health practitioners who don't want to participate. Um, and when and I say that because these health practitioners have taken an oath to do no harm and yet they will be forced to participate in the intentional killing of human beings because they have to refer them to someone who will either help to kill themselves or will actually do the job of an executioner. Faith-based hospitals and nursing homes are in the same position. They will be forced to allow assisted suicide to occur on their premises. This um, this bill is at a time when our palliative care in Queensland is drastically underfunded to the tune of about $280 million. And there's no debate about that. Everybody agrees that palliative care is drastically underfunded. It's immoral for the government to offer assistance to kill yourself whilst neglecting at the same time the real need that there is and that's of palliative care funding. But there's so much wrong with this bill. I could talk for ages on this because, you know, this bill this bill makes a moral equivalence between talking a loved one into choosing life and talking them into actually killing themselves because jail term for both is the same, seven years jail. And so this government has prescribed that even making a promise is is wrong to promise somebody, I promise you I will be there for you. Please don't um, go down the path of euthanasia. We've crossed a terrible line when we've made a moral equivalence between talking someone into life and talking someone into death. And if it's going into the parliament tomorrow, Wendy, that means really today is the last chance to write to your state MP. What's your encouragement to listeners today and I think especially Queenslanders with this legislation going before the parliament what are your thoughts what should they do please do it today whether your mp is um what party they're from because it's important that the lmp members get get support for actually pushing back on this bill it's important for alp members to know that their constituents do not want this death bill and so write to your state mp there is an email campaign available on acl's website so you can do it through that but you don't need to go through ACL's website. You can just Google your state MP, find their email, send it to them direct, or even better, ring their office or drop in if you're going past their office. Um, so, you know, contact your state MP today. It's really important if you're a, if you're a Queenslander.
Amazing how important these issues are that we're talking about today and uh, there's not too many other outlets that are even giving any airtime to these sorts of ideas and there's another big issue that's going on in New South Wales. Uh, the long-awaited committee report on Mark Latham's parental rights bill was released last week and this is a bill that seeks to reassert the rights and role of parents in the moral, ethical, political and social developments of their children, something we've always taken for granted, that parents have this opportunity to pass on these values to their kids. And uh, this is uh, up for debate and things are happening in New South Wales. Give us your insights, Wendy. So one of the things that um, your listeners, if they know of me, they would know one of the things I've been concerned about for so long is the teaching in schools of gender fluidity, um, all of that sort of uh, unscientific nonsense. Our still really pushes back on that, along with other things, because he wants to give parents back the right to decide what their children need to know and what they don't need to know. But, you know, government schools teaching teaching um, ideological stuff that is not scientific is just quite frankly wrong. And so it's not just Christians who have been, or people of faith who have been concerned about what's taught. And even now, again, our federal parliament are looking at the national curriculum. And at the moment, the national curriculum has got a big red cross through it because there's so much of this gender-fluid um, ideology being being brought in right across every subject. And so there were a massive amount of, of um, submissions to this particular uh, report, over 60,000. And and certainly the majority are saying we, we support Mark Latham's uh, bill to actually give the rights back to parents to decide whether or not their children should be able to um, take part in gender-fluid lessons. And so it would give back to parents um, the right to either consent or not to consent. Wendy, not available. let's talk about what sort of, you know, I'm thinking these are common sense, but the key recommendations for government schools in New South Wales, uh, hit us with a few of those. Well, no school can withhold information from parents about the gender or gender transition of a student at the school. So what's happening at the moment is that kids are transitioning at school and then changing back um, uniforms and coming back home to mum and dad. Mum and dad aren't even know that Joanne is being called John at school. Um, so he wants that to be uh, mandatory that parents would know. Um, but students born biologically male allowed in female bathrooms and vice versa. Um, that school counsellors are not the ones who can, can actually question children about gender fluidity and transition. So at the moment, if you've got a young girl who is um, uh, maybe a tomboy, at the moment, school counsellors can actually say, you know, how do you feel? Do you feel like perhaps you're born in the wrong body? This is absolute garbage. And so these are the sort of things that Mark is pushing back on in his bill. And like more than 60,000 responses and the majority supporting this bill from Mark Latham. And, and that, that does send a, a fairly clear signal, doesn't it? It really is. I think it's a significant step forward in this whole debate because, you know, someone like Mark Latham, he, he's someone who's, who doesn't sort of muck around. And we've seen, and whether you, we've agreed with him in the past or not agreed, I think this is incredible what he's doing because he's really pushing the buttons on this and saying, 
this, you, this has got to stop. He's just basically saying this has got to stop. It's mandatory. It's going to be mandatory under his bill for all government schools to actually listen to the parents. And uh, Wendy, let me, before I let you go, uh, an update on the Truth of It live tour. I mean, Martin Isles has been just uh, drawing in crowds, uh, perhaps more exciting than we've seen for a long time with any Christian leader anywhere. And there is another Truth of It live coming up this Saturday in Adelaide. It's going to be the last one of this particular uh, focus on tours. Uh, What are your thoughts uh, ahead of Adelaide this weekend? If you can get there, do it, because this will be the last one this year. And who knows, with COVID restrictions, it could be the last of this type of... We, I've been at all the one, but I won't be at Adelaide because of COVID restrictions. Um, that thousands of people are turning out. And can I tell you, Neil, over half of the audience are certainly are, are 30 or less. There are young people just flocking to hear this. They are wanting... And so Martin, he's, he's, he's a mixed bag, this Martin Miles, because he talks about, he certainly talks about politics and he talks about what's happening, but his, his focus is on the gospel. And so the gospel is preached at every one of these events as well. And they are, they are fun, they are serious, they are in, um, encouraging, but also challenging events. And so it's been a privilege to be part of them, to be honest. Well, already 1,700 people registered for the Adelaide event this coming Saturday. It's 7pm on Saturday, 18th of September at the Adelaide Convention Centre. I mean, we're not talking about small venues here. We've got the big venues happening and the big venues are filling up. So my encouragement to Adelaide listeners today or those who are around the outskirts uh, to head into the Adelaide Convention Centre, 7pm This coming Saturday, the 18th of September, it is the Truth of It Live Tour and Martin Isles, uh, front and centre, on the stage. And as you say, Wendy, uh, wonderful presentations, great Bible teaching, the preaching of the gospel at these events, and then a Q&A session where people have an opportunity to be able to ask the big and very difficult questions that are about the things that are unfolding in Australia right now. acl.org.au, that's the website for the Australian Christian Lobby, acl.org.au. Wendy Francis is the Queensland State Director and the National Director of Politics for the Australian Christian Lobby. Wendy, thanks so much for the update today on 2020. Thanks for having us, Neil. I appreciate it. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.